Hey everybody, this is Ernie Johnson, and welcome to EJ's Game Plan. It's your guide to working in sports media. Today we'll be talking to Kristen Ledlow, host of NBA Inside Stuff on NBA TV. Welcome into EJ's Journalism School. This is one of the coolest things that I've seen done during these days when we don't have live sports to cover and are all working from home. Ernie, thank you so much for asking me. I'm wearing my Inside the NBA t-shirt, which is probably not what you should wear as a professor of journalism, but that's the direction we're headed today. Thank you guys all. Well, you guys are all joining right now for joining me. Um, I've watched several of these uh, with some of my very favorite uh, you know, men and women in the industry. And I wanna give you guys the opportunity to, to ask questions um, for the next hour or so about anything in and around the industry. Um, but, oh, hey, cool to see all the comments start to roll in. But um, I started in local news in my hometown in Tallahassee. I graduated with a double major in broadcast and communication. Um, I was anchoring the actual local news, like doing the, like the pet of the week kind of thing. I'm not kidding. Uh, from noon to 1230 every day, North Florida and South Georgia. Uh, but while I was there, I started covering the Florida State football team uh, for the local ESPN radio station. And I'm not kidding. They actually paid me in Applebee's gift cards. I don't recommend that form of payment. I don't recommend broadcasting using the barter system. But it worked, you know, at the time. Um, and from there, I moved on to it which is still where I currently live, which is close to where these guys broadcast and where our, uh, our studios are, you know, at NBA TV and TNT. And I was working, uh, covering recruiting, as I see a uh, Miami fan say, go Canes. I'm sure that you're not a huge fan of the Florida State finals then. And we don't have to talk about white right or white left. But if you're a Miami fan, then I did cover several of your football recruits in like the 2011 and 12 seasons. Um, I covered recruiting uh, across the Southeast in the SEC and ACC for both football and basketball. Um, another question, I am not 5'2", I am 5'11". But I, uh, from there, started working in local sports radio here in Atlanta. And while I was working here in Atlanta, I told that Inside Stuff was going to come back to NBA TV and NBA TV was auditioning co-hosts for Grant Hill. And it did not cross my mind that I would actually get that job. I just thought this is going to be awesome. I could maybe meet Grant Hill and I could go to those studios that I've watched on TV for so many years. And so I went, had a blast. And uh, about a month later, I started working for NBA TV, and after my first full season of doing inside stuff, I started doing sidelines on TNT as well. Uh, now this is my seventh season, which is wild, um, but that's how I know all of these guys. That's why Ernie asked me to conduct a session in his journalism school, his online journalism school. Um, so I'm going to take some of your questions. Uh, feel free to ask me anything about the industry, anything about these guys, anything about the NBA. And let's see, I can scroll back and see more questions. Perfect. 
let's see, a favorite player to interview. Oh, man. That's a tough question because, I mean, you guys, I'm guessing watching me watch the NBA on TNT and know, like, how much fun so many of those guys in the NBA actually are. Uh, LeBron James is always, like, the, I don't know why I said James. Like, you guys don't know. LeBron, uh, that's it, it. Always feels special with him because he's such an iconic player, one of the greatest, not the greatest of all time. He always gives thoughtful questions um, or answers to my questions. He's always generous with his time, um, and he also addresses you by name, which is a really cool thing too. Uh, I also love the players who give just like any kind of answer and you have no real idea what it is that they're going to say at any given time. Uh, guys like Joel Embiid, guys like Draymond Green, they're, you know, some of my favorites as well. All right, let's see more questions here. Uh, my favorite team, I was born and raised in Florida. I've been a Magic fan, so shout out to Shaq, he was there when I was a kid. Uh, and I actually have a Magic cat, not a Magic cat. He's not a cat that can do magic but he is a cat and his name is magic. <laughs> All right, let's see. My first job in journalism, you joined a little bit late. Uh, my first actual full-time job um, was in the local news in my hometown in Tallahassee. I hosted the good news show Monday to Friday from noon to 1230. I'm sure some of those archives can still be found. <laughs> Uh, how much do I miss Candace? Like all the time. And we're still producing a podcast from home. We're still, you know, creating content via Zoom. But it's not the same as getting to see I miss Candace all the time. And if you guys not yet subscribed to Ledlow and Parker, do so. That's my shameless plug. And since this is Ernie's journalism school, you should also subscribe to the Steam Room. Because him and Charles are, you know, hilarious. Uh, let's see. Would you want to interview players on the bench like the XFL did? I loved that idea. Um, we do things like that typically during like All-Star Weekend. You know, when guys are a little bit uh, more, what should I say, amenable to in-game interviews. <laughs> it can be a little bit difficult, though, when, when guys have, you know, playoff seating on the line or even a playoff series on the line for them to want to shift focus and, and do an interview, you know, on the bench, <laughs> you know, during a game. Uh, but yeah, if they agreed to it, I'd love to do that. Uh, let's see. Can you talk more about working at 92.9? Yeah. So that was my third job in the industry. Uh, I worked at the sports talk radio station here in Atlanta, um, 92.9 the game. And I, at the time was co-hosting a morning show with Rick Hamla, also an NBA TV host and Randy Cross, a uh, Super Bowl champion. You guys may remember seeing him back in the day. Um, but Rick is actually the one who told me about inside stuff coming back to NBA TV. And again, at the time, I just wanted to audition because I wanted to meet Grant Hill and I wanted to be allowed in the building. Uh, but then it turned into you know, my full-time job for, again, a long time now. Let's see. All right. My advice for any woman who wants to be an NBA reporter? Well, first and foremost, it's possible. When I was a little girl growing up and loved basketball, uh, it wasn't. Not necessarily a possibility, but the opportunities weren't. Um, they, they were few and far between. 
you know, and, and there were some incredible women that went before me uh, that have not only, you know, been among the best in the industry, but have turned around to make sure that those of us coming up behind them um, not only are well prepared for what it is that we're stepping into, but feel well supported as well. Uh, I think of Doris Burke, she did that for me, has done that for me now for years. Uh, Michelle Beadle was one of the very first that ever did that for me. Sage Steele did the same thing, uh, Rachel Nichols as well. Uh, so my advice for young women who want to get into this same kind of role, um, find your voice early on. Don't feel as though you have to be relegated to the roles that we've always seen women in on national sports broadcasts. Uh, I recommend getting into the radio space, whether it be launching a podcast or perhaps hosting a YouTube series, you know, with, with interviews with different people in or around the game. But find your voice early on, because I say often that, uh, you know, professionalism is important, but personality is what sets you apart. So especially as a young woman, uh, make sure that that's your priority early as you start to hone your broadcast skill. All right, let's see. What? I can't ask the question like Jack or Chuck. Like, in what? You know, I mean, that's it's impossible to choose. <laughs> All right, let's see. That's a weird question as well. Um, one of the tools that I use, and they're not paying me to say this, let me make sure that I plug it correctly. There we go. So I go to prosportsdaily.com all the time. Um, if I click on uh, the NBA, there's typically a compilation of like all the NBA headlines. I can find local news clips, um, national you know, news uh, columns, everything like that. Um, I'll click on kind of the major headlines of the day and uh, make sure that I'm caught up on everything newsworthy. But also because of my role as a reporter, um, I look for you know, interesting stories about these guys that I can hopefully bring to light even in just a couple of minutes, you know, on the sidelines on TNT. So I subscribe to The Athletic uh, and several others. I love reading The Ringer. Um, you know, some of those columns are, are so much fun. Uh, and so, you know, I, I follow closely, uh, even on social media, actually, which I highly recommend, um, you know, the, the journalists that are covering the league. And, and so I make sure that I'm reading all of their work, supporting all of their work, um, and that I'm a regular part of, you know, the NBA conversation. Oh, that's a great question, too. Do you see the 1920 season carrying on or being canceled? Um, yesterday, Candace and I were recording our Ledlow and Parker podcast, and Isaiah Thomas was our guest, Hall of Famer Isaiah Thomas, our coworker Isaiah Thomas. Um, and I think that he had one of the best answers about that. And I'm sure that he's, you know, heard others say that as well. But um, he said, you know, we have to allow this pandemic to dictate what we do when it comes to professional sports. Um, and he made a great point in that, you know, professional sports, especially the NBA, have led the way so many times um, when it comes to, to making hard decisions. And in this case, leading the way may not mean being first. It may not mean that the NBA needs to come back first. It may mean being last. It may mean holding back and setting an example. I don't know about the 1920 NBA season. I don't have any inside stuff, pun, uh, to tell you guys in regards to that. Um, I know that the leadership that we have in place, both in the NBA, 
in Adam Silver and his office and with the networks that cover the NBA very closely. Um, I'm confident in the leadership and that they'll, they'll, they'll follow the science and, and make wise decisions, not only for the players and the broadcasts, but for the safety of all fans as well. But when you think about the NBA season coming back this season, there's so much to consider. You have to consider how much of the regular season that you would play. Uh, do you start the playoffs immediately? Um, how is everybody seated? If, if you were fighting for an eight seed in the East or West, do you have the opportunity to continue fighting? Um, you know, and then what would the playoff run look like? Is it going to be shorter? Is it going to be, you know, in full? Are we going to start next season late? So all of those things are things that have to be considered. But right now, of course, the safety of, of everybody concerned is at the forefront of, of everyone's minds. All right, let's see. The best way to make connections and build relationships inside NBA circles as a young reporter. Um, I get this question a lot, and I think it's interesting because we think of networking as different than building relationships, but how do you build relationships in your real life? It's very similar to the way that you can do so within NBA circles or within the broadcast industry, you know, very early on as a young reporter. Um, I ask more often, you know, off camera about guys' families and, and, and how their children are doing or, you know, things that I saw on social media. Um, as often as I'm asking questions that are game related, I think that it's hugely important to, to, to build trust and, and to know for, for, for these guys to know that talking to you is going to be a space that they have the freedom to open up, to be entirely themselves. Um, and I think that you only do so by being entirely yourself. Uh, so ask about things that aren't basketball related, you know, um, the same as you would anybody else in your life. Uh, let's see, next question I gotta ask, where did you get that mic? Uh, NBA TV and TNT sent my way so that we could continue producing our content, but it looks like here, if that helps you. They're not paying me to plug this microphone. I figured I'd do it since you asked. Um, all right, let's see. The best way to prepare for this career, um, a commenter who says, I'm a junior in college. Uh, that's a great question also. I actually started as a junior um, interning more than once. Oh, there you go. The comment, it's a blue Eddie, the microphone. So get you one. Um, but I, uh, I actually started when I was a junior in college. Um, I interned more than once. I interned uh, with ESPN during the SB Awards and also did so with the local NBC affiliate in Orlando um, when the Magic made an NBA Finals run, which you guys can do the math on how long ago that was. Um, but I think one of the most important things, especially when you're a student, if you're a journalism student now, is to look for ways to continually set yourself apart, um, to look for ways that once you, you know, walk that stage at graduation, you don't have the same piece of paper that everybody else has, that you have some real industry experience. So one of the coolest things about the social media culture we've created is that you can actually be on air from anywhere and all the time. Um, you can, as I mentioned earlier, you can start a podcast, you can launch an internet series, you can, um, you know, do things on the Instagram live show, you know, get another journalism student to join you and, and you guys do a debate show or, you know, whatever it is, um, we have the opportunity to, to be live, to, to 
get on the air, even if we're not full-time in the industry yet. So I would advise doing that, not just to build an audience, but to hone your broadcast skill, to, again, find your voice, to, to learn to formulate opinions, um, to learn to let your personality shine when the cameras are rolling, when the microphones are on. Um, and then look for some real industry experience. Look for ways to get involved in your campus's broadcasting network if it's available to you. And if not, look at local news stations that are in your area. Uh, look for ways to intern for professional teams if you'd ultimately like to be working in the NBA. But, but do what you can to, to set yourself apart, to build both a resume and a reel while you're still a student. What was it like commentating a summer league game? Would I want to do it again? I would absolutely want to do it again. Um, goodness, it was one of the most fun uh, broadcasts to prepare for. I had never um, actually called an NBA game before I was asked so early. And I was really nervous about it. I asked several of my friends um, who work, you know, specifically, not just within the industry, but specifically within the play-by-play -play role. Um, they were unbelievably helpful to me. Uh, Kevin Harlan, in particular, uh, taught me how he laid things out before he broadcasts an NBA game. Um, and again, it was it was hugely helpful to me. Uh, but yes, I would love to do it again. I was really nervous going into it. Um, I, I, I think that I thought that I had to be someone else. I had to be like the version of play-by-play -play announcer that I, I had in my mind. And then I was actually sitting next to my co-worker, uh, Steve Smith, the NBA champion, Steve Smith. Um, and Smith told me right beforehand, he's like, this is just us talking about basketball on TV. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, I can do that, you know. Um, so it was, it was a, a really fun experience to learn to do that kind of on the fly and while on air. But, yes, I would love to do it again. I certainly hope that Summer League comes back, even if it's not this summer, that, um, you know, it, it continues in the future. It's a cool experience for the fans, but a really cool experience for broadcasters, you know, who are learning different roles and, and, and how to, to, again, just continually hone our broadcast skills. That was a, a really cool experience. That is a great question. Uh, let's see. Jake asked how to balance family and relationships with the crazy schedule that journalists and reporters have. Um, I am a firm believer in having it all, but not having it all at the same time. Uh, my focus was, was very much on my work in my first several years out of college. Um, and in the last couple of years, I've got married and, and, and life looks very different than it did 10 years ago when I was graduating. Um, but I think the most important thing, not just in this industry, as you pursue any relationship or pursue having a family, um, but for any industry, is to, to partner with someone who not only understands the goals that you have, but wants to come alongside you and, and further you in that direction as well. Um, it was hugely important for me, and I think it's hugely important for anyone, really, in any industry. All right, what are some of the ways you gather information on players or topics you don't know much about? That's a great question. Um, and I think I'm saying that's a great question after every single one of these questions. I really do think they're great questions. Um, but about guys that I don't know a lot about, um, sometimes it can be that some guy has just an explosion of three weeks of just incredible basketball. And all of a sudden we've come up stories about guys that you can't read a ton of articles about. Um, one of the most helpful aspects of this industry, um, and this goes for students as well, any of you who are broadcaster journalism students, because you have sports information directors um, on your campus that can help you 
with these kinds of things. Um, and for us, we use the communication department um, for any one of these NBA teams. And so I'll connect uh, typically that afternoon of one of TNT games on a Thursday and uh, talk to their PR director and ask questions about a couple of the guys that maybe I don't know a lot about. These are offices that are put in place to not just control who gets to talk to their players, but also to, to form a, a relationships with the media like me and, and to be able to you know, promote their guys who you know maybe are a little bit further down the bench. So I've formed relationships, close relationships with a lot of those communications offices. Um, and some NBA teams have just absolutely incredible ones um, that I've kept up with even as the NBA season has been suspended. But um, it's been hugely helpful to form relationships with those that are around these players all day, every day, um, so that I just go in and drop in for, you know, one practice and expect to be in the know for a broadcast that night, but that's so I'm um, continually learning more about these players that I'm covering for you guys. Let's see. Uh, well, I said I was going to stop saying that these are all great questions, but that is a great question. Can you get buckets? Short answer, yes. For you, what was different reporting football compared to now, which is basketball? I love that question because I grew up in Tallahassee. Florida, which if you don't know about the age that I am and about how good the Florida State football team was back in the 90s when I was growing up, um, it was an incredible time to be in Tallahassee and, and to witness the Florida State football program. Um, I grew up loving the game of football, but I grew up playing the game of basketball. So for me, the biggest difference in covering the two is that basketball is a language that I speak fluently because I have played all year, you know, every year since I was eight years old. So for me, it's not a game I've observed. It is a sport that I have been inundated with. Every part of every season, every part of me has been part of the game of basketball. And so for me, that was the primary difference is it's, you know, it's not a game I've just watched. It's, it's a game that I fell in love with very early on and know very well. Thank you to those of you who are showing out the Led Zone Parker podcast, not only for subscribing, but for coming out to our live show in Chicago. Here's a good question uh, from Blake. Uh, he's been interning at the NBC affiliate in LA since August. Tips on maximizing those experiences. Um, I hugely believe that internships are vital parts of not only expanding your resume, but creating a real and formulating relationships within the industry. Um, it can seem, at least for me, I don't know what internships are looking exactly like now, but it can seem a bit trivial, the tasks that you're asked to fulfill as an intern. I uh, had one internship where I was solely printing scripts and the anchor. Really, after like an eight-hour shift of staring in the newsroom, like the whole thing that I did this whole time was print the scripts and take them out to the news desk. However, uh, that internship was, was hugely instrumental for me because of the people that I met there, because of the sports director that I was working directly underneath that uh, played a huge role in, in my development later. Um, my advice for interns right now, again, if your focus is on building a resume and building a reel, then you need to, to not only build some of those relationships, but, but ask questions, you know, learn as much as you can ask about 
helping get some on-air time. If you want to be on-air talent, ask about doing so. If you want to be a producer, ask about helping write some scripts. Ask about different ways that you can contribute in a larger capacity than maybe what you're assigned. Um, that was hugely important for me, especially interning really early on. I, I just simply asked, like, you know, one of these days after you get off the air, could I try and do a stand-up, you know, and, and have you critique me? And then not only do you have the ability to, to again, continue working on your skill, but you can then take that tape and, and it can be part of the real start build. So as an intern, look for again, continually focus on building a resume, building a reel, and ask those around you how you can do so. All right. What was your first awestruck moment when you first started working in professional basketball? It was actually before I was even hired. Uh, it was at my audition for Inside Stuff with Grant Hill. And first, I was like, I, I can't even believe this is Grant Hill that we're in the same room. Like, don't hug him. And I was like, I'm probably going to hug him. But Either way, it was the coolest thing ever. And I remember leaving that audition and thinking like, you know what, if I never get invited back into that building, I just had the best day ever, like with Grant Hill in that studio that I've watched for, for I mean, so again, that may not be the answer you were looking for, but I talk moments began way before I was ever hired. <laughs> oh man. Oh, okay. You know what? I'm actually glad that someone asked this. I, I wouldn't have brought it up, but someone said this is random. But is Kyle Anderson your husband? Because the internet says a lot of crazy things. No, I'm not married to Kyle Anderson. He and I have never met. I don't know if people have asked him about me, but a ton of people ask me about him. I, I guess that my husband looks perhaps a bit similar to him from the side. One wedding photo that I posted. But no, I am not married to Kyle Anderson or anyone who plays basketball, by the way. That's a great question. How did you build chemistry with Grant Hill and now Candace? Um, it's similar to how you build chemistry in real life. You know, uh, spending a ton of time together, you know, spending time talking. One of the things that Candace and I do now, we talk all throughout most of every day. We just text each other back and forth. So we're already having this ongoing conversation from week to week before the cameras ever start rolling, before we turn the microphones on. So part of that chemistry that you're hearing listening to our podcast is growing throughout the week when we're having these conversations that nobody's listening to. Uh, it was the same way with Grant and me. We would sit in the hair and makeup chairs, which, yes, he did his hair and makeup done also. Nobody wakes up just, you know looking beautiful enough for television. Um, Grant, my, actually Candace as well. Either way, uh, we would sit there, you know, for hours and talk about all kinds of things, not just inside stuff, not just basketball, but, but life, you know? And, and so in the same way that you build chemistry with anything in your life, in the same way that you build relationships, you can do so in this industry. And again, I think that we've gotten maybe a little sidetracked with the word networking. Like that seems to be such an important thing and it absolutely is, but networking in its simplest form is, is simply building relationships. And you know how to do that in your life now. So you can do the same in your career and in this industry. Um, so for me, that's been what's most important. Asking about things that are basketball or broadcast related and spending a lot of time talking even when the cameras aren't rolling. Other questions? Oh, has living in Atlanta made you somewhat a fan or interested in Atlanta teens? Absolutely. Uh, because before I was doing this job, um, I was working um, in local sports radio. And so we were covering, you know, the 
the Hawks, the Dream, the Falcons. Um, it was before Atlanta United was here. Um, the Braves as well. Um, and so I not only was watching all of those games, but getting to go to a lot of them uh, because, you know, our radio station was was their broadcast partner. And so when I started being able to go and experience some of these professional sports, I again, I, I grew up in Tallahassee. So it was all about Florida State, you know, Florida State football, Florida State basketball, Florida State baseball. Um, and I went to those games all year round. But having the opportunity to, to go to a Falcons game, to go to a Hawks game, you know, to, to experience the professional sports atmosphere. Yeah, it's absolutely made me a fan. Um, and yes, I'm rooting hard for the Falcons when that little 28-3 incident happened. Shout out to Brady. All right. How was the experience of live Ledlow and Parker in Chicago All-Star Weekend? Oh, man, that was so much fun. It was, first of all, wild that that many people showed up just to listen to Candace have a conversation. I get you were probably showing up for one of the greatest women's basketball players of all time in Candace Parker. However, it was one of the coolest things, getting a chance to, to actually, you know, meet some of the people who listen to our work and, and who, you know, subscribe to our podcast. Um, it was very different. So when we're doing our podcast, there's typically five or six people paying attention, you know, like either in the room or helping with the, you know, with the podcast behind the scenes. So being there and there's all of a sudden a room full of people, you know, it was, it was, it was surreal. Um, there was no stopping and restarting or saying, oh, I don't really like that. Let's go back. It was just, let's have a conversation for an hour and, and, and hope that all the people who showed up liked it. But one of the coolest things that we got to do is surprise all the fans who showed up, um, most of whom were, you know, Chicago natives, uh, with a couple of pretty incredible Chicago guests. Uh, Candace is all-time and was uh, Ron Harper, and we brought him out, and Bulls fans there just went wild. Um, and then we also uh, got to interview Chance the Rapper that day, which was incredible. We could not believe that he agreed to it, not just to, like, be a guest, but show up and to, to be generous with his time in his city on all Star weekend so it was a really really cool experience uh are you a justin timberlake fan yes all right let's see oh i like this question what advice would you have for a high school senior looking to get ahead in the business um first and foremost give yourself some grace you're a high school senior. You don't have to worry about getting ahead yet. Um, secondly, there are a lot of ways that you can just get involved and start to learn about the industry. One of the things that I did when I was a high school senior, um, because I was in Tallahassee, which is, you know, Florida's state capital, um, I reached out to local news stations and I more than once actually got to go and, and shadow one of the sports anchors that I looked up to and admired. Um, and so I would recommend that, you know, look to, to get involved in the town that you live in and the school that you live in now. Um, my school at the time did uh, morning news announcements, and I got to be part of that as well. So just look for ways to get involved. Um, don't be so concerned with, you know, perhaps getting ahead, but just look for ways to get to know the industry a little bit better. Um, and that's where I would start. What are some things to keep in mind when creating a demo reel? Uh, let's see. A broadcast reel should essentially be a two to three minute showca showcase of your best work. Um, you want to highlight the work that makes you look and feel your most confident. Uh, so I would uh, 
not necessarily ignore the recipe that we've seen so often to build a broadcast reel, because I do think that there are a lot of, you know, helpful parts of, of, of that, you know, that recipe. But I think that what's most important these days is to look for ways to stand out. Like what makes you unique as a broadcaster? If it's your interview skills, if it's your ability to, to look straight into a camera and deliver a flawless stand up, if it's, you know, your hosting ability, um, highlight those things within your reel. So oftentimes we've heard, okay, two, three minutes, this, 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 and this. And I would, I would absolutely um, give potential employers a look at all of your work. But at the same time, um, I would focus primarily on what makes you unique as a broadcaster. And early on, you may not know yet, you know, you may be figuring that out. But again, I think that's why it's so important to really capitalize on where you are, whether you're a student right now, whether you're an intern right now, maybe you're in one of your first couple of broadcast jobs, um, but look for ways to capitalize on where you are. I, I don't think I ever spent any internship role or even full-time role really early on just doing the role that I had been assigned to do. You know, uh, I already talked a little bit about internships, but even in my full-time role, when I was anchoring the local news, um, I reached out to the local ESPN radio station and looked for ways to, to contribute to the radio station. And they, um, you know, they, they hired me ultimately to, to start covering the Florida State football team from the sidelines and just getting interviews. And so, you know, look for ways to capitalize on where you are um, and for ways to, you know, take the role that you're in just a step further. Oh, some of you guys are talking about my internet connection. I sincerely apologize if we're all doing the best we can. Working from home, we're trying to create content and produce a podcast on this very internet connection. So, all right, let's see. How would you describe your style as a host and sideline reporter? Um, well, you know, I, goodness, I hope that my personality is always at the forefront, but that I also have given you guys, um, I keep coming up with inside stuff puns, but an inside look, uh, you know, at, at these players and coaches and teams that I love so much as well. So what I hope to bring to the table as a broadcaster um, is essentially being an NBA fan who was given the opportunity to be at these games and to be part of these broadcasts. I never want to lose that. You know, I never want to lose the awe of the position that I'm in. Um, I recognize the weight of it. Uh, and so in the, the happiest and most exciting moments, you know, I, I feel that. And in the difficult, devastating moments, I feel that as well. Um, and so I try and approach it the same way I always would have, which is just a basketball fan that actually cannot believe she gets to be part of these broadcasts. Oh, I like this one. The higher you get in the industry, how do you remain being true to who you are? That I think is critically important, not just in this industry, but in any industry. Um, I think the most important thing is to surround yourself with solid and strong community. Um, I have a community of people here in Atlanta and my family who's still in Florida uh, that consistently keep me grounded, remind me of what is true about who I am, um, about the position that I've been called to. But for me, um, that's hugely important. I think that it's also important, um, we talk so often about you know work-life balance. I don't know that there's a balance because 
one of those things should undoubtedly be prioritized. So there are days that I shut off and shut down completely. You know, I'm not scrolling social media. I'm not looking for ways to get ahead. I'm not reading anything about the NBA or watching any particular broadcast. Um, I'm just resting and, and refreshing and, and spending time with the people that mean the most to me. Again, people who continually remind me of what is true about who I am and about the position I've been called to. That's not just for this industry. I would recommend that to anybody. Was broadcasting something that happened along the way or a lifelong pursuit? I love that question um, because I know that a lot of broadcasters have different answers to it. This is an industry that some people simply stumble upon or perhaps played basketball for decades and it seemed like the natural fit. Um, for me, it was not necessarily a lifelong pursuit, but it was certainly something I wanted to to solely because I wanted to stay in and around the game of basketball. But in November, we had a Suns game on TNT, and my high school coach and his family now live in Phoenix, and I went out to dinner with them the night before the game. And his wife actually remembered me as a 10th grader sitting on the bus on the way to a game and telling her that I wanted to be a broadcaster for the NBA. So I don't even remember saying that, but I do remember thinking it um, a lot ago and and the choices I've made in and around the game and in regards to my career uh, have all been you know, in that direction yes I am absolutely going to watch the documentary on the Bulls coming up with Sunday right I'm excited about it very excited especially considering Michael Jordan's comments recently on it saying that a lot of people are going to think he's a bad guy after seeing it interesting the best way to hone your skills while on this break from sports. Um, again, I think one of the coolest things about just the social media culture that we've created is that we can be on air, you know, not in the traditional sense, uh, but at any point from home. And you guys can do the exact same thing, the same way that Candace and I are continuing to create content and produce our podcast, you know, from home. Um, you guys can do the same thing. And I've, I've given a couple of these ideas already, um, but, you know, launch an internet series, uh, a YouTube series, you know, an interview series on YouTube is what I was trying to say, um, or a podcast with something that you care about, you know, um, team up with, you know, a fellow journalism student or, or young broadcaster and, and start a debate show on Instagram live or, or whatever it may be. But I think it's less about trying to find a following or, 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 or build your audience in these days and more so about finding your voice, formulating an opinion, and, and really honing your broadcast skill. Oh, okay, you guys are saying I'm coming clearer now. So was it helpful when I was holding it? I don't know. Sitting in front of a window. That's why I'm so bright and glowy. <laughs> All right, let's see. Oh, I love this question. What kind of impact did Craig Sager have on you? Goodness. So Craig was goodness. He was not only the reporter that I looked up to for ever, I mean, everyone did, right? But also one that took me under his wing when I was hired to be a reporter on the same network. Um, he taught me things that I still consider during live broadcasts all the time. Um, one of the things that he taught me that I think has been hugely important and that has impacted a number of the broadcasts I've been on uh, is to consider the person rather than the player. Um, when 
there's an injury to keep in mind that perhaps this player's wife or mother or child is going to hear from you first what they need to hear about their husband or son or, or dad. And I've kept that in mind more times than I can count to remember the person, not just the player. We tend to, we tend to forget, you know, um, and that's just one of the goodness, many things that I took away from the career of Craig Sager, but the life of Craig Sager, goodness, that cannot be quantified, especially not in just the few minutes that we have here on this Twitter broadcast. Um, he, uh, he in every way made our network and everyone he was around better. And that to me has been an incredible lesson. Oh, where did I get the shirt? Yes, I got it all-star weekend. Like I actually stood in line like a fan with the fans to get this t-shirt. I needed one. Oh, I like this question. Have you thought of having another shootout with Shaq for ownership of Papa John's? I mean, the stakes are pretty high there. <laughs> but you know, I think it's probably worth asking. Those uh, previous shootouts can be found, I'm sure, all over the internet, YouTube, whatever, wherever. He did beat me in a free throw shooting contest. I, I still blame, first of all, Kenny was like talking in my ear the whole time. That makes it a lot more difficult. But I beat Jack on his home, his literal home court in his home in a three-point contest, which to me is significantly more difficult. Oh, and you know what? Another little story about that day, because a lot of people have asked me about doing that with Shaq. Um, the three-point contest, I mean, not the, the, the free throw contest, but the, the day that we were at his house, we were there to film inside stuff. We had done a three-point competition, and I had beat him. And then one of our guys, whom I love, running camera, walks over to me and says, here's the thing. We had a little bit of an issue, a little technical difficulty, and we've got to do it again. And I walked, I'm like, I am not doing this again. I am not going to give him the chance to beat me and to talk about it for God knows how long when I just beat him right now. It, no, I'm absolutely not doing it. And I think the anger fueled the second competition because the three-point contest that all of you saw either on Inside Stuff or now on the internet was not edited. Like, it shows me shoot, I think, only three or four shots. Yeah, and I, I only missed one. He went over and shot on that crazy high hoop that he had, you know, 50 feet in the air. Again, I think just the anger of having to beat him twice fueled me. And that was, so yeah, the contest you all saw was not edited. I actually hit bang, 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 back to back to back. Oh, that's, I love this question. Do you have talks with other female side reporters to help each other out in this industry? Absolutely. Um, I think that often uh, women in, in media and in sports and entertainment are portrayed entirely incorrectly in that they're catty or difficult to get along with or always concerned about getting ahead. I have long said and figured out early on that the women who make it to the network level of this industry have such a great deal of confidence. They're not particularly concerned with a 20 something that's trying to steal their job. No, like they're far more concerned with turning around and helping open doors for those that perhaps they didn't have open for them, you know? Um, 
So yes, I talk often to other women in the industry and it's been one of the key components of being successful in my role is, is continually touching base with other women who do the same thing. Will inside stuff ever return? I certainly hope so. Maybe some of the higher ups are watching right now. Bring it back. Best moment on the NBA sidelines. Goodness, there have been a lot of really cool moments. Um, something that stands out to me, though, and I don't know if it was like the best moment of all time for me, but one that stands out when I'm asked that question, uh, it was during the Clippers-Warriors round one series in, was that 2019? Was that last season? Um, before the Clippers had, you know, Kawhi or Paul George or were considered, you know, a championship contender. Um, I interviewed Patrick Beverly, and he and I never met prior to that series. But he had been one of my favorite players uh, just because of his approach to the game. And I asked him what he wanted people to remember after that series. And he said that few stood against many and won. And I thought it was the coolest thing to say. It was the essence of who he is as a player and a person and a little bit of like sneaky trash talk because the Warriors have strength in numbers as, you know, their, their, their long running motto. Um, and that was a really cool, uh, that was a cool moment for me. Again, I don't know, best of all time. There have been a lot of best moments on the NBA sidelines, but that one comes to mind as just, memorable in every way which is where we used record Ledlow and Parker we have been recording from zoom actually been just recording our zoom calls uh we use the microphones that were sent to us um and some headphones as well pop it all on and uh we just start talking over zoom um hopefully it's coming in clear enough but we've just been recording our zoom calls and um any of you guys could do the same thing Describe a day in the life of covering an NBA game for TNT. That's a good question uh, from Jeff, who has Hawks logo. So perhaps a fellow Atlantan. Um, but yeah, so on a Thursday on TNT, typically I get into whatever city um, that we are covering the game in uh, the night before, Wednesday. Uh, and then the next morning, a Thursday morning, um, we have a breakfast meeting at 10 in the morning, and it's the not only broadcast team that you guys see, whether it's, you know, Kevin and Reggie or perhaps Marv and, and Chris or any one of the analysts that we have, um, you know, on TNT, but we sit there, we have breakfast together, and we talk about just ideas, you know, for the broadcast that night, some of the ongoing storylines, um, just kind of what we want to cover, but recognizing also that the live game is going to determine our coverage in the conversation. But after that meeting, um, I typically try and just shut down and turn things off um, for an hour or an hour and a half, um, whether that means walking outside in the city that I'm in or sitting by the pool in whatever hotel that I'm in or just sitting in my room, taking a nap. That happens on games often. Um, early on, I would get to work immediately after the meeting, and I realized it's really difficult to keep your mind on for such a long stretch of time. Um, you know, a lot of these games, I'm not finished with my post-game locker room coverage until midnight or one in the morning, and so I try and shut it down completely. Uh, and then in the afternoons, I start working on some of the stories that I want to follow up on. I typically have already made a list of some of the stories that I want to cover, um, and then I'll to different people that I know that are going to help further that story, whether it's to the team communication PR department or perhaps to 
players themselves or other players in or around the league or analysts. Um, and I follow up on some of those conversations to build some stories. Um, I'm still an old school broadcaster in that I still write everything. Like even in front of me right now, I have, you know, a running list of ideas for our Ledlow and Harper podcast. Um, I still write everything down. So I actually have a notebook, a physical notebook um, for TNT broadcasts. Oh, connection's bad again. Holding the phone up and waving it around tended to work last time. So we'll see if it works this time. Um, but once I start, you know, working on those stories, I, um, you know, compile everything, uh, put it together. Nothing that is live and part of the live broadcast is prepared in advance. Like the coaches' interviews, there's no way of preparing those things in advance. Um, there are ways, of course, to come up with topics that you'd like to cover with coaches prior. Um, but, you know, you can't come up with questions about a game that hasn't happened yet. Uh, same thing with walk-off interviews with players. Um, but as we get closer and closer to game time, we typically have coaches' interviews. Um, we'll have two different ones uh, with the head coaches of each of the teams that we're about to cover, where we have the opportunity to ask them questions, to get injury updates, to get some storylines to talk about during the game. Um, and then tip-off happens. And based on the live game, you know, the conversation can go anywhere. Uh, but, of course, you guys have watched many a TNT broadcast for me. I typically do an opening hit and then coaches' interviews after the first and third quarters. Um, and then, you know, a walk-off interview with one of the winning players afterward. And then I go to the locker rooms uh, for post-game coverage. Oh, it's the 2016 Cavs team, best team in league history. I mean, it's difficult to say, like, the best team in league history because – you can't really compare eras, you know, like it's so difficult to say, but they undoubtedly had like the, the most iconic playoff run and, and certainly the, the best finals comeback that I think we will ever see. We had never seen it and I don't think we'll ever see it again. And that, by the way, since a lot of you have asked about my favorite moments on the NBA sidelines, uh, ABC obviously has, you know, those finals games, um, but we're there with NBA TV to do pre- and post-game coverage. Um, that Cavalier comeback, the 3-1 2016 finals, one of the most incredible things I've ever witnessed. Witnessed, that's a LeBron pun. All right, let's see. How has traveling from game to game worked for you? Um, typically on a Wednesday night, I head out to whatever city that we're covering the game in. And I'm there to work hard all day Thursday, and then I'm out on Friday morning. So, yes, I'm tired often, but it's good. Get back to the journalism school of your alma mater. I graduated from South University in Lakeland, Florida, and I have gone back two or three times. Most recently, though, last spring um, to speak at a leadership forum. I try as best I can to you know, keep in touch with uh, some of the journalism students there um, and to go back as often as I can as well um, to be part of their events, classes, and answer questions like we're kind of doing now. EJ Journalism School. All right, I'll take a couple more questions before we wrap this thing up. Let's see. Oh, that, that's an interesting question. I never really hear that. What's a TV makeup routine like? I hear it's heavier than just when going out. Yes, definitely. Like this, how you guys are seeing me now, is kind of what I would look like just, you know, to exist in my life, whereas... TV makeup is much heavier, a uh, lot more on the eyes, a lot more on the lips, 
try and give you a little bit of a pop. Um, on TV, it doesn't necessarily translate if you do the whole natural look, um, which is what I far prefer in my life. Uh, but on TV, you know, I get what we're looking for. But yes, what you're seeing on TV, by the way, all of it is done by a team. So, you know, the hair, the makeup, the eyelashes, you know, it's, it's none mine. <laughs> it's just for television purposes. All right, let's see. All right, I think I'm going to wrap up this because it's a great question. And it sums up the man who asked me to conduct this broadcast today. What is the best piece of advice you've been given from someone in journalism? This is not journalism advice. This is life advice from Ernie Johnson. This is EJ School of Journalism. So I'll give you an EJ. Should we wrap up with a neato stat of the day? It's not night yet. But he says, to me often and to many often, be a fountain, not a drain. Contribute more than you take. Leave places better than you found them. I think that there is probably no person that sums that up better than Ernie. And it's something that has stuck with me for years and I think will stick with me for years to come. I want, like him, uh, to be remembered for much more than just talking about basketball on TV, you know. You guys know Ernie is the person he is, not just the personality he is. And that has inspired me for years long before I knew him and continues to inspire me daily because I know him. And everybody who does is better for it. So I'm going to wrap up with that. Thank you all for, for taking the time to join me on this. EJ's Journalism School. Again, one of the coolest things, you know, that Ernie even had this idea to, to be able to answer these kind of questions for so many people that have questions, you know, about the industry in and around the industry. Um, thank you all for watching the NBA on TNT. Um, I know you don't watch it for me. Uh, you probably watch it for these guys and for, you know, the NBA, of course, but um, it feels like such a privilege just to get to be part of. So thank you all. And I'm seeing all of your thank yous pop up now and all the little hearts that are so cool. So thank you again. And I'll talk to you all soon. Thank you for tuning into this episode of VJ's Game Plan. For more information on today's guest and breaking into the sports media industry, go to our website, www.ejsgameplan.com. Tune in every week to hear from more guests on their experience in the media industry. EJ's Game Plan is brought to you by Ernie Johnson Jr., the University of Georgia's new media institute and Grady Sports.